Hey guys, what's up? I am super excited to introduce this new topic, which is about uh, violence against women. A uh, very interesting perspective, and I hope that you guys enjoy this and have a chance to really give your input, listen in, and sign up and subscribe. So, thanks for stopping by. Hey guys, what's up? And I am back. Uh, sorry, I knew, I know that I should have just gone from one thing to the next and I've written everything down like I said I was going to, but I didn't. Anyways, don't shoot me. <laughs> I have been dealing with a lot of some, a lot of major, well, uh, not really major. I've just been taking care of my health lately and doing some checkups and making sure that I take care of myself. So, yeah, you know, I know um, that, you know, the healer must first heal themselves before they um, are well enough to give their cup run it over. And so that is why I have really started to take a lot of time out to make sure that that is what I'm doing so that I practice what I preach. So I'm not going to get <laughs> a whole minute in. Yes, I am. I just talked an entire minute about something that is nothing to do with... Well, yeah, I guess it does have to do with our topic, Violence Against Women, Part 2. So, last time we talked about the medical industry and we talked about social structuring and how the social system uh, supports or does not support women. I would also like to discuss in this segment women and the media Yes. <laughs> yeah, I got to throw some singing in there. I'm sorry. That's just the way that I am. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking here at some books, you know, reading social media. I mean, not social media, but media in general. I mean, social media, I guess you could say, is the current state of the media at this point. And so um, that's just one very small aspect or the aspect that can um, very well be a game changer for, um, for the way that we think about women in the media because finally it is a voice individual, um, voice individual setup so that everybody has a chance to voice their opinion and nobody is being suppressed or oppressed in the way that women have usually been when it comes to media and perception. So that was a mouthful. <laughs> I am not going to repeat it. Just rewind, rewind, guys, rewind. Um, so anyways, the state of where we are at now in the media is really powerful because all the violence and all the shit <laughs> that has happened to women um, over decades, really. I mean, I could list from Bill Cosby to, I don't, um, to, uh, is it, oh man, I can't remember the name of the, the, the Hollywood film director who was accused of rape and molestation and all kinds of stuff. But now, guys, chickens have really started to come home to roost. Wow, wow, wow. First, um, women were perceived a certain way. I would, I, I'm, I'm talking about from like books to commercials to, yeah, I'm talking about like old media, like, you know, first back in the day, you picked up a book, you read it, you read about a woman who was being saved by a man on a horse, or, you know, she was looking for a husband and, you know, she was, she wasn't worthy because she wasn't rich enough. She didn't have a name. Yeah. Now to... Um, everything is about sex and sex sells. And again, women are being put in a position that she, 
uh, there you're supposed to look act dress a certain way to be desirable and to be the it girl now in social media <laughs> that is starting to change a lot because finally um, everybody has their own social network click slash um, community that they that especially as women we can uh, channel speak out address and perceive and express what we think we should look like sound like talk like walk like and now all of a sudden it's just not based all around finding a man and have, finding someone to take care of you but other other really e extremely important aspects of our lives um so that is really 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 good uh and so i think that violence against women can re so many different aspects of violence against women can be brought to the forefront to be made so women can be aware of by women for women and so the conversation has changed and i think that that is something that's great i just don't want to sit here and complain about you know violence against women means this and violence against women means that because media has changed and because we have now a voice to address issues from our perspective a lot of these things are going to start to come to the forefront there that being said there are also people <laughs> in the media slash social media who still have we are still our own worst enemy i'm not gonna call any names because i am not about that life today that can change tomorrow <laughs> but there's still some women who will keep you silent because it makes them look bad or if this is something that they're uncomfortable with or they are their own worst enemy because they don't have their shit together or they didn't deal with their shit or you know a lot of the times just like perpetrators it is these women that we are close to some of them we know some of them can be like our relatives who silence the violence against women because for whatever reason um they think that it's unladylike or something that shouldn't be discussed or it just think it's just vulgar guys i just want to say straight up that's life you know and while we want to encourage and support women and men and everyone to tell the story differently some things you just can't pretty up and sometimes the shock effect is what gets people's attention so that they can take action to do differently better and more um effectively well yeah to do different and better and just more supportive in in the way that they view other women who are going through stress and pain so i really really do believe that um because social media is starting to bring things to the change where we have less people feel more comfortable people feel more open i'm talking about like the me too movement which really brought a lot of this shit to the forefront i i really really think that you know women need to be celebrated and telling their stories and their pains because it's only in this aspect or in this instance that we can really heal and and make people understand that this is not okay <laughs> and speaking of women here are my two little girls who just came back from the store yes hey this is why i do this you know i do it for them so that they know that they can have a voice um so that they can know that they don't have to sit down shut up and take it and so uh even when it bothers me to pieces and i just want to tear my hair out 
when they're singing and screaming and carrying on, I support them in them being able to express themselves. So the silencing, the silencing is what I also consider violence against women. And so um, the lack of ability and... <laughs> my daughter is putting her shoulder on my her head on my shoulder. So oh wow, thanks. Thanks for sharing that in my, my segment. Anyways, guys, so yeah, giving women the ability to speak out on certain matters and having our voice being heard in how we are viewed in the media is so important for the conversation to change that I think that social media has created a space for that change to happen in an incredibly revolutionary way. So, that being said, I would love to hear back from everyone. Peace out, guys. Have a good one. Bye. Peace out. What's up, guys? Hey, welcome back to my channel. I know it has been like forever and 10 days. I am so sorry, but I've been super busy with, uh, <laughs> with the summer program for some kids uh, around the world, actually, teaching art uh, or using art as a way of self-expression to help to encourage people to create awareness about different topics. So yeah, that's my little one in the background. She's having a super time because we're going shopping for school and you know, that's like a girl's favorite thing to do, shopping. <laughs> so anyways, um, I'm here and we are gonna be talking today about violence against women, you guys. Wow, what a super, important topic and it is so important that we have this conversation be, be, uh, because it is you know it, it's always one of those conversations that get caught up in certain realms with focus on very specific things so I don't want to leave um, certain aspects of violence against women out and to name a few very specific things that I'm talking about when it comes to violence against women is the medical field. Okay, yeah. We're just going to get right into this topic, you guys, because um, like I said, it's been forever and 10 days and we have not been together for so long. <laughs> so yeah, violence against women is very personal for me as a woman because i have personally experienced domestic violence in my life as um as a young woman um you know going into relationships for the first time i'm not going to get into any of the details as to like what happened and what signs to look for that is a totally different <laughs> very very long or can be very very long um segment that can that that we can just dissect in itself really so i just want to focus on some of the things that we should be aware of when we talk about violence against women as the number one thing when we talk about violence against women would have to be for me personally violence in the medical field Yes, I, you know, people might say, okay, this is very poetic, you know, and y y how do you link it? And would you necessarily call it violent? Maybe that's an extreme expression. No, I don't think that it's an ex extreme expression because for me, if you go, for example, something that I, uh, a young woman was telling me the other day that I found personally very disturbing was that, you know, she was talking to one of her, um, 
family members who works in the medical profession and this family member was sending women to get um, vasectomies because they were having too many children. I personally, <laughs> you guys, I personally have a problem with this because I don't think that it is anyone in the medical medical profession profession's uh, right to say who or how many children a person should have or to make that decision based on any kind of like discriminatory or biases that they may have. And I think that everyone who would say that to any woman has some sort of a bias. And so I was very concerned because you don't just go in and cut people up or cut them off, <laughs> no pun intended, and then expect them to just go about their day in lives like nothing just happened. Because the body, and I'm just going to get very, very brief into detail about what a vasectomy can do to a woman who is not experiencing menopause. You go into early menopause, which can be very devastating and uh, shocking. It can put the body into some, uh, so almost like a traumatic shock. And I know of women who have had, you know, a lot of devastating side effects and symptoms because they went and had a vasectomy in their like early and late 30s. Like, I don't think that that's, um, that there should be some sort of an alternative to that, which leads me to my next topic, which is what, what is the true definition of educational Infor educational health or information or okay let me say it like this sex education and health real reproductive health education is so biased and I don't care where you are and I'm gonna say this openly and come for me if you will but it is so biased and so political that for me personally, as a woman who has had children, both in, develop, in a developing country and in a first world country, I can truly say and speak to this issue of the lack of information that's being given to women or biased information being given to women based on somebody else's political agenda for what they think women should or shouldn't be doing with their bodies and how. So just soak that in, repeat it, <laughs> rewind this tape if you need to do it because I'm not going to say it again. It is sickening. When we talk about pro-choice, there is also a side of pro-choice that has absolutely nothing to do with abortion, but also has to do with other aspects, how women and where women are allowed to have children, who is allowed to be there and who not allowed to be there. What are some of the alternative options that a woman can have when it comes to um, uh, 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 safe sex or planned parenthood and why those options are better and what options are available to her that create less side effects and symptoms for her body. Looking out really for the woman's health and her own best interests should be the number one priority of how women are educated about their sexual reproductive health. And I'm so sorry, but I don't really feel like the medical field has done enough for that to say that they are really thinking about the women's health um, when they bring out all these new different types of drugs and, and 
methodologies and surgeries and hormones and all those kinds of stuff. Like, I really, really think that there is more that can be done. There is more natural medicine that can be tapped into and researched and pushed and promoted that are not so harmful to the body. And I think that when you speak of harming a body, that's violence. That is the ground for violence. And so that's why I think that in the medical field is violent towards women because I think that a lot of the times they, they, they just take the easiest, most convenient road for the people in the medical profession and leave the actual person um, as the last, the, 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 the last thought. So having that being said, <laughs> we want to also look at social situations and our social environment, how we interact with each other. The fact that women still uh, don't make the same amount of money as men do, even though they might have the same job and profession. That is something that I think is very violent, considering the fact that going to work uh, and expecting the same performance is something that, you know, can be devalued if you, just for the simple fact of your gender. I really believe that when a woman has a child and she's trying to make a financial contribution to her society and her home and she's deprived the right to a good wage based on the fact that she that she um, is uh, a woman that is violence against her her home and her family because that is causing her harm against herself and her family because she cannot provide at the same level of a man which will then lead her to to be forced to make a decision of what she does with her life and that is violence so um i'm getting really worked up and passionate and i know that i said that i wasn't going to have any political discussions on my channel but you know everybody has been since i've been um <laughs> doing this summer program asking me oh when you're going to talk about this when you're going to be talking about that because we really want to hear what your opinion is and i'm so <laughs> I'm so grateful and happy that, you know, people are listening, even though my audience is very small, um, that this is something that interests you guys and that you want to hear my opinion on it. Thank you so much for your feedback um, and your contributions to this conversation, because this is a very important conversation. Um, and I could say so much more on the topic, but I want to give it the credit it deserves. So I'm just going to divide it up into two. So we talk about health. And we also talk about social um, economic norms. The next segment, we are going to talk a little bit more in depth about a woman's right to uh, education and her sexuality and how sexuality prevails a very negative, um, a very negative aspect in the media. There are also the extremely important uh, topics of. Uh, how women are portrayed in sports and why it's um, a man's world in sports and why certain um, professions and yeah, certain professions are still pretty much very much male do uh, dominated. So uh, I went over my 10 minute mark. I just want to thank you guys again for stopping by and listening and I will see you again maybe later today or tomorrow <laughs> so we can have this conversation and please like subscribe leave your comments below i know i am trying to engage as much people as often as possible so you know i i'm very interested in hearing what what you guys have to say on every topic that i post and more and you just let me know what it is you are interested in hearing about next too you know we keep it real here and we keep it fresh
So please, thank you for stopping by. Like and subscribe. Bye! Hey guys! Welcome back to my channel and thank you so much for liking and subscribing and getting involved in the conversations that we have here. Today's topic is why am I so exhausted as a parent? So there are a few things that I just want to observe, observe in this conversation and one of those things is that parenting is hard for two people or God forbid you are a single parent and you have to do this with just yourself. That is impossible. I'm going to stop singing now. <laughs> okay, so I remember when I was a single parent, right? Quote unquote single parent. I lived with my grandparents for a while and I'm very, very grateful and thankful and I feel very privileged to be able to have that network and that community. It wasn't perfect. There were a lot of things that were... Um, <laughs> that could have been tweaked or, you know, that kind of slipped my attention. But as I progressed in my parenting and kind of and having to figure out who I was as a person, I was really, I am very, very grateful and thankful for having them there to be able to say, okay, well, we'll step in and take care of her while you get your mind right and yourself together so that you can be a better parent for her. That is what I think is super important for everybody. So any single moms out there who are dating, who are trying to figure out career, school, or just, you know, not really coming clear with the idea of motherhood at the moment, don't feel judged or shame or guilty for trying to take the time out to ask somebody to help you parent while you figure out yourself because that is super important. It's better to be fully present than to be halfway present with your kid because then the messaging becomes to the child that they don't matter and that there's something wrong with them. Um, and so uh, I, I'm very happy for that because I had a lot of stuff that I needed to figure out at 21 having my first child and I'm happy that I had the community that I had to step in not only to like make sure that my daughter didn't burn the house down or hurt herself, but also to instill the values of parenting and family that I may have been taking for granted at that time. And because parenting is a full-time job 24-7, and we often have to entrust our children to the social system, for example, schools, um, <laughs> so that they can get like their education, um, we also have to realize that if we were to do all of this on our own, um, it would make things a lot harder. And that's why the community is so important. So, you know, for all our single moms out there who are saying with pride that they're single moms, I would like to invite you to the idea that um, a terminology like a, like a, like a community mother or um, I'm a part of a community parent or my village is helping me raise my child is a better statement than a single mom because the messaging there is that, oh, daddy didn't love me, daddy didn't care, and now that's why he's not here. Whatever your personal situation might be with the father of your child is your business, but I really think that we have to be very careful as the messaging of the role of the father in the parenting equation, which leads me to the second point as to why we as parents are so tired. <laughs> if you think it's hard for two people, <laughs> <laughs> just imagine you being a male and your messaging was that you go home, you, no, you go to work, you earn your paycheck, you bring home the money, you kick your feet up and you just relax until the kids go to sleep. 
when you actually become a father, especially in today's day and age where you have, you know, stay-at-home dads and um, dads who want to be more involved but don't know how. It is exhausting to always be in a situation where you're learning on the job. If you could imagine that a woman, you know, has natural quote-unquote nurturing tendencies and might have learned how to take care of her brothers and sisters. I mean, have to learn how to take care of kids by interacting with dolls. Could you imagine what it would be like for a man to his first interaction with kids would be his own child? Like, (laughs) it's like saying, okay, you don't have a license. You never went to driving school, but here's a car. Go drive. What do you think is going to happen? <laughs> and that is why we need to include men more, way more, when and and if they are ready. And even, you know, get some accountability in it and actually try to, you know, healthily encourage them and push them to being more present and involved in the parenting process. So, for those moms or for those families out there who have boys and are raising boy children, get your kids some dolls, damn it. <laughs> get those boys some baby dolls and some Barbies and some Cabbage Patch kids. I don't care how, I don't care when. Make sure that they ha- that kid has the baby with the full works, the apron, the prom. I mean, uh, sorry, I need to use um, more universal language here. The um, stroller, the diapers, the pampers, the changing mat, the feeding set, the the baby carrier, the full works, guys. These little boys need to grow up to learn how to nurture as well. Not because we want to convert or change men into nurturers, but we want to include men in the the um, and change the definition of what it means to provide your man, the father. The male role model needs to have some kind of participation from the beginning in the relationship with the child because that is super, super important for his competence as a father because more competence leads to less stress, less stress leads to more energy, and more energy means that you are less exhausted because you're not always having to try to figure out what's wrong with this child. Which leads me to my third thing. There is nothing wrong with your child. (laughs) Say it in the morning, say it in the night, say it before you go to bed. (laughs) I have to tell myself this on a regular basis. There's nothing wrong with my child. There's nothing wrong with my child. There's nothing wrong with my child. Because I have become like sort of disconnected from what it meant to be a teenager and a toddler. Because now I'm 36 years old. And now I don't really understand like... What's all the crying and what's all the boyfriend business and why are you so obsessed with what you look like and why you got to take care of every pimple? And, you know, I got to always remind myself that there's nothing wrong with them. That's normal and natural behavior. All I have to do is to acknowledge their feelings and make a place present and be present for them as much as possible. And the only way for me to actually be present with them is to actually be present with myself. So I have to, that means like my daughter gets up early to go to school because she goes to school across town. It means that I got to get up earlier so that I can have time for myself. So once I check in with myself, then I'm able to be more present for her. Make sense? I hope so. Try it out. Tell me what you think.
When your child starts to act up, quote unquote, or starts to ask for help by negative behavior or starts to ask for help or starts to show you um, behavior that is not what you would have expected, liked or desired, that is an opportunity for you to really, really tap into who you are so that you can learn something about yourself. (laughs) Easier said than done, honey. I mean, like... On the daily now, because my 14-year-old wants to have a boyfriend and is already having a boyfriend, technically speaking, in her head and mind and eyes, I have had to tell myself that on a regular because I um, I am very I'm I'm very triggered by her um, I'm very triggered by the situation because it's it's a point in my life when I was a child that I remember being a very negative experience based on what I didn't know and what I had to kind of learn about through error. Um, And I keep on having to parent myself and have faith that she is not who I was and that that discovery process for her and for me has to be a very non-judgmental, open arms place where she can feel like no matter what happens with her and him, she can always be here and be herself and be um, and have a place where she can discuss what is on, worrying her and on her mind and never feel like she has to go externally outside of herself. Not even from not even from myself. She shouldn't even have to look for for my approval to know who she is and to be happy. And doing that, <laughs> if you're really listening to what I'm saying, is hard because we want our kids to do what we want them to do and not what they want to do. Um, all we can do is make sure that whatever decisions they make are at, they're at peace with and they know they're making the right decision. Because a lot of the times kids make decisions based on um, lack or wanting to be accepted or um, having to fill some void. So we know what the right thing is to do. And if we do the wrong thing as adults or as teenagers, it is coming from a place of woundedness and emptiness. And being able to uncover and discover that is only something that a child or anyone really can learn through the example of the parent and the people that they're closest to. And believe it or not, um, your, your children are closest to you. And so, um, as I'm in a, a situation where I'm at now, if anyone's very much interested in this um, particular uh, instance that I brought up about boy-girl uh, relationships, um, what we have decided to do, which is very difficult, um, especially for my husband because he came in the relationship uh, later on, is to just positively reinforce our presence in her life by spending time with her, Um, asking her what she's interested in and really making her feel like what her feelings matter. And my husband in particular is going to start to have like day dates with her. So, you know, going on a date with her to the movies or maybe to go for a walk or whatever it is she enjoys doing. They get their time together um, so that she can have a space to talk with him and to spend time with a positive male role model that's giving her attention, which is what she really wants, I think, because the boyfriend business is neither here nor there. So I just want to offer that as advice. Um, if and when you feel like your kids or your your girl child is at this stage where they're looking for this kind of attention, um, 
that they are getting it in a positive reinforced way from home because no matter what home is home the second thing um what not the second thing i can't remember where i'm at right now but we live in a country and in a time and in a paradigm where things are starting to shift where our kids are deliberately actively even more than before being pulled away from us there is television there is now the internet and and social media which is the state of the internet right now and i'm not even going to get into that because as a social media person and as someone that uses social media for these kinds of things um, it can be positive and it can be very, very negative. The fact of the matter is that women or young girls are very impressionable on social media, especially if they're looking for attention on social media, they can get involved in very high risky behavior. Monitoring this and, and, and <laughs> monitoring this and having to get involved in the conversation from your child's perspective is exhausting. Um, especially when you have a situation like us where you're having to raise your children on your own. So you have to look for everyone and anyone that can help to reinforce, mentor, and advise your child and be the community that it used to be before we had society and democracy as it is. What does that mean? It means that back in the day, you had the village, you had the neighborhood, you had the postmen, you had the shopkeepers, you had the aunts and uncles that all lived very nearby. Now that migration and integration is taking place and is taking shift and mold, we have had to redefine what it means to have a community and to have social uh, social circles that are um, of like mind and are there to support our children. So our children are not learning from each other, but learning from safe competent adults who care about them without an agenda safe competent adults who care about them who don't have an agenda not to say that kids are bad <laughs> you know kids can reinforce positive peer pressure um but it, it, the children uh young people and children are supposed to learn from their from their parents and from the adults around them that care about them and since that society is no longer that like that because we are shifting and shifting, it makes the responsibility of two people, the mother and the father, if you should be in such a fortunate enough to be in such a situation where you have a two-parent household, that is still just not enough. Because I remember going to my aunt's as a child when my mom had something else to do or needed a break or needed to lie down or needed to catch her breath because she had five of us. Um... I only have two, and I got to tell you, it's a round-the-clock job, especially when the man has to go out and earn money or the woman has to also go out and earn money, and then your, your children just have to go to the system and, you know, you've got to fill their calendar with activities and chores just to make sure that they're busy and not falling into idle, um, into idle situation. At the end of the day, I really do believe that there needs to be time carved out so that you can be um sound present and 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 understand and connect with your child because all your child really wants is you and they need to have a social circle of people who they trust that are older than them that can advise them on how to tap into source and their own being so i mean 
I have really gone over my time limit here. Um, this is a super, super important topic. I wish maybe I should have divided it in two pieces. Um, but let me know what you guys think. And I will see you guys again soon. Bye.